1: Welcome to Counter
2: Charge, I'm Andy Burtis. I'm Steve Hildreau. And I'm Mark Zelinsky. Welcome to another episode of Counter Charge. And we are very excited today because Andy Burtis from Blackjack Legacy is with us. And if you haven't heard of Andy before, well, he has a YouTube channel, and we also did a little introduction with him back in episode 282. But Andy, for yes. the people who don't know who you are, or haven't watched your YouTube channel, or still live in a cave, <laughs> Why don't you just uh, give us a little brief background of who you are, what you do, what your YouTube channel is all about, and why I watch it all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Um, yep, so as you say, I'm Andy. I've, uh, I've been doing the YouTube channel now for just over three years. I think it was three years gone November. Um and in that time I've I've kind of covered lots and lots of different games. It's 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 never really been focused around one particular game. It was always designed to kind of reflect the different games that I was playing and and share some of the things I kind of learned along the journey, really, because I almost kind of fell into making YouTube videos a little bit by accident. So it's it's kind of grown from there, really. So I've done all sorts of things from painting tutorials to board game reviews to how to build gaming tables. Um, and and probably more recently over the last twelve months, I've been doing a um, a live stream every Monday night, which is becoming more and more popular. And we get a, a nice kind of community in there as well, and chat about all sorts of different topics.
2: So how did you come up with the idea for the live stream? I mean, I try to catch it when I can. It starts an hour before I finish work. But uh, I yeah. know in the last episode you talked about uh, freeing yourself up and being able to start at different times for the different time zones. Yeah. But, uh, but- Potentially,
1: yeah. So I, it, it kind of came about as, um, so I, I have a full-time job. I, I do all this YouTube stuff alongside my full-time job. My job sees me traveling quite a bit as well. So I, I, I live in Newcastle in the northeast of England. Um, My office for the company I work for is in Manchester, which is about 170 miles away. So I spend quite a bit of time in the car traveling, listening to podcasts, which yours is always on there. Um, and so I kind of, I have to try and squeeze in making videos around that and around the family. So what I did was I, I know I'm always home on a Monday night. I, I never have to be in Manchester or be away with work on a Monday evening. So I started doing this live stream that no matter, even if I couldn't have time to, to make a video, at least I could always commit to kind of doing a live stream. And that was how it started. Uh, and it was quite slow at first, um, but it's 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 grown quite a lot over time. And now it's kind of like regularly there's somewhere between sort of seventy and a hundred people in every Monday night now chatting about. There's always kind of a brief topic really, and and that's there to get the chat kind of flowing and to get people discussing things. But then depend upon who's in the chat at that given time that the the topic will change and we'll we'll chat about all sorts of different things. So it's been it's been really fun. It, it's probably the thing that I enjoy the most really of all the different things I do with YouTube.
2: As you mentioned before. Or as you just mentioned, you play a lot of different games. I know that Warcry was dominating the airwaves there for a while. So, you know, what other type of games are you currently playing? Is uh, Warcry and Kings of War? I got any others in the queue right now? No, I I think because I got quite a
1: quite a lot of sort of limited time recently, I, I, I sort of narrowed down my focus a little bit and. And when Warcry came out, I, I, when it was first announced, it wasn't something I was even that like, interested in, to be fair. And it wasn't until I read the rules and realised the rules were quite sort of simple and straightforward, um and and that I knew there'd be a, a decent local scene, as as Games Workshop stuff always is. um So I thought I'd dive into that. So that so then I kind of focused really on that one game for a while. Um, but I, sort of previous to that, I played a lot of uh, a lot of Kings of War Vanguard. I played a lot of Walking Dead um mantic games have always figured sort of really quite heavily in my playing uh sort of time um if i go all the way back i i kind of um i played a lot of malifaux a lot of um, war machine back in the day as well so i've i've played an, a, a lot of different things but at the minute um i'm off to i'm off to warhammer world on sunday for a for a Warcry tournament um and then i'm actually in kings of wars kind of dominating my hobby time at the minute
3: all right so um before we crack on with uh Everything, Kings of War, and Andy Bird is and Blackjack Legacy. We should we should do a brief hobby update. Mark, what have you been up to in the hobby?
2: Well, Steve, as you know, Kings of War Third Edition uh, was released upon the world, and so I am working on my starter set right now, putting it together in between uh, work and everything else. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of picked up a new position at my job, and uh, it's been taking a lot of extra time as I've been getting ramped up for that. But I have been working on the starter kit, and I'll tell you one thing. I really like the Northern Alliance models, putting those together. I am not a fan of the Night Stalker models. They're so fiddly, so many connection points. I just feel like I'm becoming a filing expert, uh, trying to scrape all that stuff off. It's just, and they and they just, they're, the arms and everything. So I'm struggling a little bit with those. The Butchers went together like butter. They were terrific, had a great time with those. Everything else has really gone together really well. It's just those Scarecrows, really not a fan of them. So my idea is that I'm going to go ahead, get the starter kit done so I can either run demos. And also, I'm trying to get the feel of first edition back because when I first got into Kings of War in first edition, Colin and I sat down with the uh, box starter set, put it together, and we pushed it around on the camper table. And it was a great time. So I'm trying to recapture that a little bit. He burned out a little bit at the end of 2nd Edition because we were playing every Friday night. And, uh, you know, we were playing each other, and the Army's got a little samey. So I'm glad 3rd Edition is here. We're kind of fired up. I've got a bunch of Army projects kind of half done in the basement. And it's uh, after those guys, I'll probably finish up my forces of nature. I think they're going to be pretty good. So I've got them to 1,000 points right now. So I'm going to try to push them forward a little bit. And uh, just wait for Easy Army to drop so I can get back to list building because I hate doing it on paper and pencil. So,
1: Steve, what about yourself and where, what, where's your hobby at at the moment?
3: Well, I finished, um, I finished my Undead Army. So I, I bought um, uh, someone else's Undead Army that they painted. And then I've, I repainted the entire thing. I wasn't going to. It was just going to be a fun army to play and I was just going to glue it to bases and then just play with it. But I glued them to bases and they looked so bad that I ended up repainting the entire army at great length, which is uh, what happens. But so um, I have uh, repainted that, finished that, took it to a tournament and, and did pretty well. I was pleased with that. And then I've, I've restarted, because um, I'm going to Adepticon in America in March, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. But I need to take a Mantic Army. So I could take the Undead that I've just done. And I just need to paint a couple of models. But I, I, I won that that place with the ratkin army so i kind of feel like i should take ratkin but the ratkin list has changed a fair bit in version three so i'm gonna to have to um paint up a bunch of stuff so i'm just kind of working through what i need to paint i haven't quite got a list that works for me yet so i'm not quite yeah. sure what to paint
1: i guess that's it do you spend the time painting the extra ratkin stuff or do you do you crack on with the with the army that you're kind of doing for, for third edition so
3: yeah, I think I mean, I'd like to play um, Rack in the third edition. Yeah. Um, I've got the Undead Army sitting in the back burner, and they are really strong in the third edition. But um, I like the challenge of the new rat list, and I do like it, and it's got some good synergies in it. I just need to work out exactly what to paint. And on top of that, I've been, because um, I'm running a tournament next year in September, um, okay. and I need to make the terrain for it. Because I've, I've not, I'm not swimming around in giant pots of money. So I, <laughs> I, so I follow you know the terrain tutor and and um, oh, what's his name, Luke APS. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I follow them on YouTube and I've I've been uh, knocking together a bunch of terrain for them. So in between doing some in in, in between painting a, a mutant rat fiend, I've also been you know make, making hills out of spray foam and walls out of this and stuff. So I'm having I'm having a great laugh with that. That's brilliant fun. <laughs> Have you ever done you done done terrain right? Not not a huge
1: amount of terrain, and, and to be honest, it was something I was just chatting about on Monday about um, about terrain for Kings of War because I, I've never I never played kind of rank and flank games in the past. So having the right terrain where it needs to be less, uh, I, I, I hasten to say less beautiful and more usable, but it, it's it's still got to look good. But it, it has to be usable. Things like hills and stuff um so yeah it's kind of something new that's going to be new to me but i think i'll give it a go i think rather than just go out and try and sort of find something custom made i think i'll I'll try and make it myself i think
3: ah, it's, it's the subject for a future live stream coming i think <laughs> but um it is it's actually really fun because you know with minis they're really tiny and you have to be so precise with terrain it's the opposite it's all big you're using great big like wall painting brushes to paint it it's actually yeah. a real nice break it's it's really good fun so, so that's why I've been mean. so currently on my hobby table. I've got one miniature uh, and then four hills and a couple of walls and giant buildings. So that, that's why I'm with Hobby at the minute. And then on top of that, I signed up for your, for your slow grow challenge that we're going to talk, talk about in a minute. But um, So
1: you've got plenty on your table then?
3: I, I have, yeah. <laughs> which is, it's in the living room now as well. So I don't think my wife's best pleased, but uh, we'll <laughs> see how we go. So we know a little bit about you, Andy. Um, but talk to us a little bit about how you found Kings of War. Because we know you were you were big in the Vanguard scene yeah. uh, in terms of that launch and how that went. So And you were always talking about Kings of War at the time, because I remember you talking about an ogre army. So um, yeah. why Kings of War and, and, and why now? So I guess
1: if I go all the way back probably to 2000 and probably 2010 time... I actually picked up some some Mantic models, which were some, uh, I picked up some Undead and I picked up some Dwarfs. And I think it was around the time that, I can't remember if the, if the original rule set, the kind of like the leaflet that you got with um, when you bought units, I can't remember if it, if it was inside at the time or if it came out slightly after. But I, I bought them purely just for something different to paint. They were quite cheap models at the time. So Kings of War was always, it's been on my radar for like sort of the last nine years. And it's a game I've always looked at from afar and thought, it looks really cool. I love seeing all those ranked-up models. I love the multi-basin aspect, the fact that you can have those sort of small dioramas kind of across the table. But it's o- it's always felt out of my reach. I- it's always felt it's a big 6x4 game. I need to paint hundreds of models. The Mantic scene in, in the northeast of England wasn't particularly kind of um, buzzing at a time or anything. So it's something I've kind of looked at from afar I- but and always kept an interest in, always been part of the old... Um, the, the fanatics um, forums when they were online before there was sort of mainly around the Facebook group so I've kind of hung around in the background if you like as a as a bit of a lurker really and then probably around when Vanguard came out Vanguard really kind of piqued my interest again in Kings of War and I started looking into it a little bit more deeply but again I, I'm not a particularly fast painter or I certainly never used to be anyway and painting all of those models was a, was a, a kind of a bit of a mental barrier to me I think. So, again, it kind of was on the back burner. I, I've tried a couple of times to, to give it a go, and I, I'd bought some ogres, and I'd, I'd, I'd sort of built some stuff and made a unit and and then kind of hit a bit of a brick wall. But in all this time, I'd never played the game. I'd never got the chance to give it a demo. I'd never had a chance to kind of to, to really give it a try and see see how difficult or sort of how complex the game was. I've never played a rank-and-flank game before. I never played Warhammer Fantasy. Um, the club I used to go to many years ago, there were some guys there who would play Warhammer Fantasy and in my, in my opinion of it as a kind of a uh, somebody looking from afar was that it looked really complicated. They were constantly putting models on the table and taking models off the table. And they were always had their head in rule books. And I, and I think I was clouded by my opinion of Warhammer Fantasy, of what I thought Kings of War would be like. So a, a little while ago, I decided, because there wasn't a lot of Mantic players, it was quite difficult to get a game of Vanguard in my local area other than my uh, playing with my son. And um, I decided to start my own group. Just, just to say, it, like I, I started a Facebook group which was the Northeast Monthly Gamers, and I was essentially trying to get everybody. That was all these people who, probably on their own, kind of saying, "Oh, there's, there's no scene in the Northeast. We can't, can't get any games." I was trying to pull all these people together into one place. And if I, and, and purely selfishly, I thought if I can get a few games out of this, then, then great. And, and if other people can get together, so much the better. Uh, and that group started up, and, and they started to meet. They, they kind of arranged a day every every week. That was sort of working for them it ended up being a day that i couldn't attend so so because of work so i never managed to actually get to that group and uh going back a few weeks ago now probably about probably about a month ago kings of war 3 i was obviously seeing all of the announcements online and all of the news that mantic were putting out listening to your podcast and, and watching the stuff that kyle was doing on youtube and i thought i'd i give it another, another kind of look and and fortunately i, I had a spare thursday i, I um, a meeting was cancelled at work i didn't have to go away So I had this free Thursday night. So I I messaged the guys in the group and I'd said, is anyone free to give me a demo of Kings of War? I've never had a chance to try it. I'd I'd love to give it a try. So somebody brought along um, an Ogre Palace Guard army. Uh, I played against Undead. I had my first game. And by the end of turn one, I was absolutely hooked. There was just something about the game that clicked really quickly. And and I I absolutely loved it. We ended up playing two games that night. We played a 2,000-point game for my first game. We played a thousand point game as as the evening went on and we were kind of running a little bit short of time. Um but after that I, I completely changed my opinion of Kings of War as this really difficult kind of slow paced, heavy rule set thing. Um and, and actually because I was motivated by playing the game, I was really motivated to start painting stuff. And and it was amazing, really. It was almost kind of like a light bulb moment of it's not the game I thought it was. So as much as I love Vanguard and I and I and I loved a lot of the models. Um, it wasn't enough to kind of to bridge the gap to kings of war for me personally it was getting that demo that really set me off
3: it's kind of funny that you started a gaming group so you could have people to play with and then they all arranged to play on a day day that you couldn't go it's kind of (laughs) do you think it's something they're trying to tell you something or Uh, maybe that's the case yeah we, we,
1: we got to about 50 people in the facebook group and now on a weekly basis there's about there's probably about 10 to 12 of them meet every week Um, And and sort of uh, and play and and at the minute I think there's a few of them are still playing Vanguard as well. Uh, They ran a small tournament recently as well for Vanguard, and um, there's 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 probably about eight of them now playing Kings of War quite regularly, and and especially with Third Edition coming out, there's a few of them have picked up the new starter set as well and split it between them. So it it feels at the minute there's a bit of a buzz around Kings of War sort of locally, which go back sort of twelve months ago it didn't even exist. So that's quite uh, it's quite sort of positive really.
3: Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting you the way you came to it with all the uh, in terms of um your kind of route because similar to me, you know, you never played Warhammer Fantasy. You just kind no. of saw it from afar and it looked really complicated. And I, I think I played I played four games when I was about 12 or 13. And all I could remember is that it took us 5 hours. That's all I could remember. So the idea of picking that up, you know, as I as I was older was always kind of like, nah, I don't, I don't think I can really I don't think I can really manage that, Yeah. but and what surprised me about Kings of War is how quick it can be when you're playing, like you say, and actually, you know, you got two games in in a single evening. That's I can't yeah. think of any other mass battle game that you could get that uh, you know more than one game in a in a gaming session.
1: No, that's it. I mean, that first night, I think we, we kind of we met. It was maybe about sort of seven fifteen. We kind of set up stuff onto the table, had a bit of a chat by about seven thirty. Bearing in mind, I'd never played before. I, I had a rough idea of the rules from watching sort of battle reports online, and always kind of hovering around and l- listening to things like your like the the um, the podcast you guys did about the third edition and what the changes were. Some of that just kind of stuck in my head, so I had a rough idea of what I was supposed to be doing. Not, none of the tactics, I don't understand sort of what what, what deployment or anything like that, about what where, where things should be, which units or anything like that. But so that first game, bearing in mind that I was learning for the first time, I was constantly flicking through the boot, looking at stat lines. I stopped for a cup of coffee and all that kind of stuff. We we still went through five turns, played that full game. We, we finished on a draw. I almost um, sort of seized it at the end and uh, my my last attack if we'd if done the damage he should have done I'd have won the game but he basically whiffed and missed all of these attacks. Um so we played out a draw and then it was a case of look if you're not if you're not rushing off we can play a smaller point game and have a second game. And uh, and we played that 1000 point game afterwards and and I I can't remember many sort of nights I've been to like a club night of, of any game really and played multiple games in a night. It was quite refreshing actually and it, 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 what like I said before it just wasn't the game I thought it was.
3: Yeah. And also you've learned the basic tenet of Kings of War there, which is uh, if you lose or draw, it's always your dice and never your play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andy, we know you've played a lot of, of Vanguard before and you you were a part of that release, like we said. Do you yeah. feel that's a, a natural progression? Were you always intending to get into Kings of War? You know, do you feel like this is the next step? Because I know that was always the intention for Mantic to get people hooked with Vanguard and then step them up into to Kings of War.
1: If I'm being completely honest, I'm not really sure where it is. I'm a bit sort of on the fence about that, really. So I when Vanguard came along, I, d- I didn't invest in the Kickstarter. It, it wasn't something that I, I thought I would really want to play, um, and I kind of I missed the Kickstarter a little bit, and it wasn't until the full release was coming, and I started chatting to the guys at Mantic about it, and I realized it was it actually wasn't as, as difficult as I thought it would be. Um, I liked some of the new models that were coming as well around that time. And that was when I started to kind of do a little bit of delving into it. And through that, I, I kind of, I was lucky enough to get some some stuff early and do some videos and some content around it. Um, and I and I thought may, maybe this is the route into Kings of War for me down the line, but it, it didn't really work out that way. And I think it didn't work out like that because one of the attractions to me for Kings of War is the multi-basin stuff. And, and I find that quite difficult to then have some things multi-based and other things, not if I'm going to then go and use them across into Vanguard. So in, in my head, for all they're set in the same world, they're almost two separate games and not necessarily, other than the odd hero model, not necessarily I would transfer between them. So it, it's also quite a big leap, I think, to, from people who maybe want to paint 10, 12 models for Vanguard to then say... You need to paint up maybe 100 models, maybe 150 models. So I, I, I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn on that one. I, I think it, it it wasn't Vanguard that got me into Kings of War. However, Vanguard did get me into kind of fantasy gaming. I'd, I'd never really been into fantasy gaming prior to that. So I, I guess I still have Vanguard to thank for that.
2: <laughs> Just off the record, unless you want to put yes. it on the record, yeah. Andy. War Cry or Vanguard? Do you know I I, for, and I,
1: it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence now. They're kind of different games for me. Um, Vanguard, I really enjoyed. I like the fact it's got a bit kind of, um, there was a, 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 quite a narrative aspect to it. The, the scenarios were really story-driven, and I really enjoyed that. I liked the low model count. And then when But, what, but one of the problems I had was there wasn't, there wasn't a big scene for it locally, so I wasn't getting in as many games as I would like to. Then when Warcry came along, as I mentioned um, previously, it wasn't until I read the rules and realized how simple the rules were because I, I don't get to play a lot of games necessarily. I need, to, I need to have relatively simple rule sets so they stick in my head. I'm not trying to remember 25 different kind of things. And the thing, the thing with Warcry was it, it was really easily accessible. That starter box was good value. You got all of the terrain, you got the board, you got two armies in there. So for me, I, I, I would say they're different enough to stand alone without one being better than the other. The other side of it is, I think, is Warcry is growing into something bigger than the thing that attracted me to it originally, where where Vanguard is still the game that I first loved playing from the start. It's not really moved away from the core experience of, of what I wanted, I think. So I'm finding, I think Vanguard is the game I would play if I wanted to play more competitively and Warcry is the game if I wanted to maybe introduce somebody who doesn't know a lot about gaming and we just want to kind of have a little bit of fun and, uh, and a bit of a storytelling experience so I think I think they fill different sort of niches for me
3: yeah I think um, Vanguard is, is is quite a strategic game and it you know it, it's a simpler game than Kings of War for sure but it's still quite fiddly and there's still quite a lot of stuff to move around and counters and this and that whereas I think the attraction of Warcry is it is a very very simple game right and so I yeah. think um, what we'll see is a normal GW progression where they increase the complexity, increase the amount of stuff that you have to buy because that's their business model, yeah. um, and that's the way with all of with all of GW's games. Whereas um, uh, the Mantic model tends to be a slower progression to allow people to really kind of get deeper into the rule sets. And it, they're different different products at the end of the day, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. I think that the similarity is they're both fantasy skirmish games. Outside of that, there's actually quite a lot of difference in them. I like I really I really like about Vanguard. I love those um command dice. Um this f- f- to to roll them to be able to do sort of different things. It, it, similarly in Warcry I really like the fact that you've got the um the sort of the, the dice to roll to to use different abilities. It's almost like one's borrowed from the other a little bit, like obviously with Vanguard being first. So I think I think GW learned a lot from I think, uh, whether they would say it or not, I think they learned a lot from from Manic's release with Vanguard, and it showed that the sort of skirmish games were the way forward. So, yeah, I, I, would 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 Warcry have been the same without Vanguard
2: coming first? I, I guess we'll never know. Circling back to you know getting people introduced into Kings of War from Vanguard, I'm kind of a proponent that Kings of War is actually simpler than Vanguard, and that. You know, I wish in the starter box that they would have had some multi bases in there so you could just crack on right away and get into the game with the multi basing as opposed to fiddling with all the bases and knocking people around and stuff like that. So I think we missed the mark a little bit on that starter set, but because I think the starter set is a great way to get people into Kings of War. So I really wish we had that little multi base, though, but uh, for each of the units. Because they yeah. do have the MDF bases in there for the monsters and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, I think it would have been uh, – I would have liked to have seen the multi-bases in there.
1: Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. I, I would love to know what the kind of the ratio is of people that never, ever use those bases versus uh, the people that do. Because when, when I a lot of the stuff I see online, I see very few people using those uh, those sort of small individual bases these days.
2: Well, Warhammer's gone, so you don't—you're not trying to multi-purpose your models anymore. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. They're kind of worthless. The only thing I can imagine is Mantic has this giant warehouse full of square bases, (laughs) and they got to get rid of them. So.
3: (laughs) <laughs> That's all I can think of. So that, that may be it. Never mind, Mantic. I've got drawers and drawers full of bloody square bases. I don't know what to do with them apart from glue them together and make them into multi bases. But hey, so talking about uh, Kings of War, what what is it that uh, really attracted you about the rule set, um, Andy? Apart from the speed that you can play, what you know, what what was it that you really like about the rule set? I'm-
1: I really like the fact that sort of it's just pretty straightforward straightforward without being simplistic, so it's it's quite tightly written. it's now it's on to it's third edition, a lot of those little kinks have been ironed out. um it's some of the stuff that I've seen from reading through the new rule book now is just it, it's it's almost like layout stuff, so as somebody that's never really played it much. I do have a version two book and I have a version three book now and to compare the rules and to compare the layout of stuff, it's just, it's a more polished product and you can tell there's been some time and attention gone into this third edition. But I think it's, um, I like the fact of sort of, it, there's no hidden information, if you like. So the rules of what it, what the main factions do are all in the book. The keywords are all in the book. I, I don't have to go and buy somebody else's kind of um, sort of battle tome to go and find out what that army does. And, and they have secret kind of sort of uh, rules that nobody else has. And, it, and it's I think you've mentioned it before on a few podcasts as well about that got your moment type thing. I, I don't feel that, that that's there with Kings of War. So for me, it's much easier to be able to sit, look through that rule book, understand what the game does understand if somebody says oh this unit has brutal or this unit has piercing i know what that means it's not a sort of faction specific thing that i've never heard of before
3: is there anything that um so far that you would change that you don't like is there anything that you think mm, i wish that wasn't there or anything like that i don't know how many games you've got in
1: yeah so i've i've played about 4 games now so far and I, I don't think there's anything that really stands out. I, I think the the new Kings of War third edition rule book is absolutely beautiful. It but it's really heavy to take to the table, so I'll definitely have to uh, invest in a in a gamer edition. I think as well. I, I guess if I'm being super picky, it would have been nice to have them sort of as to two different books um, that came as one package, if you like. So you had a, a like a law and a background book and a, and, a, and a gamer's book, maybe something. But I, that's just that's just my personal taste. Me being picky, really. Um, from a rules perspective, I've seen some discussions online about things like cover, maybe needing a little bit of clarity and stuff. But other than that, I've not really come against anything that's sort of confused me or really kind of uh, where I think, well, that's a bit silly. I'd, I'd wish that wasn't there or something.
2: Well, Andy, you've got a real advantage here because you don't have the second edition rules to get out of your head. So <laughs> I'm still struggling with height and the hills changes. So <laughs> yeah, that's and great. you know none of that. So that's but not, if you've gone it, back and compared the rules, that you know that's a really good place to be. You know, one- if you're starting with third edition.
1: Yeah it's one thing people keep telling me about the about the bounce back rule it, it, it's alien to me i don't i don't really i don't i don't forget to, to not bounce back because i i've never had to do it in the past so staying staying locked in combat's fine with me
2: That's fantastic So and you know what i really love your comparison between kings of war and a skirmish game because if you think about it each of the multi bases is one unit and actually you could have more units to push around in vanguard than you do in a small point kings of war game
1: yeah, when you made the point where you, you thought Vanguard was a little bit more complicated than Kings of War, I'd probably agree with that as well. The fact that in Vanguard, you you might have, say, um, sort of 12, 13 models on your warband, but each of those models has its own card, it has its own stats, it has its own um, sort of abilities and things. You put different spells on them, they have different weapons. And and actually playing Kings of War now for the first time, it it it's no different, really. It's a skirmish game, but with bigger footprint models on a bigger table, really. Um, that's the way it kind of feels to me as somebody new to this. Each each unit has its own stat line. It has its own spells. It has its own sort of um, its own weapons, uh, and and it's and it's very much about maneuverability. The size of that those kind of unit footprints makes it about maneuverability, and it's just really ta- tactical. So it it feels like a sort of a scaled up in size version of a skirmish game, uh, and and once once that kind of clicked in my head, the idea of it being this really big sort of overwhelming, lots of models, lots of things to remember, once that kind of clicked in my head, it just it seemed to become just much more obvious to me that there's actually not that much to remember as, as to what I expected that they would be.
2: And that's why I love this game so much, because... It basically is a big skirmish game. And, you know, you always hear, and we've talked about it on this podcast so far that, you know, you got to paint 200 models and everything. Well, you know, with multi-basing, and I know minimum model count is gone, but I still, my friend. So, but, you know, I mean, you don't have to put all the models on there. As long as the rule of cool is there and they look cool and the base looks full, you're in pretty good shape. So, my son, Colin, and I, we play five all through second edition, we played 500 points all the time and had a blast and it was like four units and we're done in 40 minutes it it just fit yeah. my lifestyle and then we'd up it to a thousand points 1500 and when we went to the tournaments we'd play 2000 but um you know in team tournaments you just had a thousand a piece so it's really not that bad and i think it kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap you know from that creating model count uh the other yeah. trick i had that i'm struggling with a little bit in third edition because of the uh, new unlocks is that your large infantry, you know, you only had to put like two models on the base, and you unlocked. And so, one of the things I did in the narrative workshop episodes was try to put together 500 point armies, and you could do it with nine models, yeah. you know, with minimum model count, fully legal. So, yeah. you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to dispel that rumor that you have to paint a super ton of models. Yeah, just to kind of come a couple
1: of points you made there. So the the first one. Uh, if I can remember now, it was about sort of having to paint sort of 200 models and stuff. And uh, and through, through every, everything I've played, basically sort of in my game and time, I've played low model count games. So things like war machine, things like um, Malifaux, things like Warcry, and, and like Vanguard. I've played a lot of board games with uh, sort of with miniatures and stuff. And I've always painted individual miniatures to kind of the best of my ability, I guess. And what I'm learning through doing this Kings of War through this slow growth stuff especially as well, is that actually I'm not painting models, I'm painting units and I and, and I've adapted how I paint things so they don't take half as long as it is. It used to take me to paint kind of to, to paint models. So what I'm finding is is once I get them ranked up in on, on their base, there's stuff that you just can't see anymore. And you you might personally know it's there, but nobody's ever gonna see it. There's other models kind of blocking the, the line of view. So you don't always have to paint sort of to the best of your ability, if you like. And, and I'm learning lots of shortcuts. I'm learning when it, when I should take a bit more time and attention and I'm learning where it's less important. And that's, that's changed the way I paint things. It's changed my opinion on the kind of, of, of being able to paint to, to 2000 points. And, and it's also allowed me to get through these things much faster. And it was one of the reasons I decided to start this slow grow campaign. And the other thing you mentioned as well was about playing at lower points games. I think we we all kind of end up in this little vacuum of of looking online and seeing everybody playing a tournament and everybody playing big points games, um, and you kind of forget that they're, that smaller points games are still good fun, and and I learned that playing the thousand point game at at, at the club that I went to it was just as much fun. It was just a faster game. And we play on a slightly smaller surface. Um, so even if, even if something like Kings of War at a six, by, a six by four table might not be like sort of great to fit into your home, you might not have the space. There's nothing stopping you playing half the size on sort of on a four by four table or something. And I, and I think people kind of, they, they automatically assume 2,000 points is where it's at or, to, or, or higher when it comes to some of the US tournaments. But it's, so, so I think I've learned a lot of stuff the more I've delved into this recently. Cool. So you talked about your
3: slow Grow challenge. Um, tell us about it. How did it come about, and uh, what is it?
1: Yeah, so yeah, um, as I mentioned before, we, I have the um, the Monday night live streams that I do on my YouTube channel, and I I'd sort of one of the one of the topics a few weeks ago was about Kings of War and about third edition and about how I was um, sort of getting started with it. And, and I, I kind of as a bit of a passing comment, I'd say I'd said basically if anybody wants to kind of sort of grow an army with me. I only need one person to kind of to say yes I'll do it with you and and, we, and we'll paint an army together we'll do it together so we've got a bit of support and we can encourage each other to do it and it was a bit of a throwaway comment about three or four people on the live stream instantly yeah yeah I'll do it and I said right we've we've got about four or five people now I'll put something in the Facebook group tomorrow because I've got like a community Facebook group that goes alongside the YouTube channel so next day I put a post up pop your name in here if you're interested in doing it all of a sudden there was about 20 names in there and I thought maybe this is a bit a bit bigger than this it's going to be quite difficult to try and control that within my own kind of facebook group i'm going to set a second group up for this a separate group so that so that we can kind of we can we can post all the information there it doesn't detract from the other games that people are playing it doesn't get lost in the in the chat um, and we'll have a dedicated place for it so i started up um, a facebook group which was um, the kings of war blackjack legacy slow grow army challenge which is a real mouthful but I posted it up there. I put all of the the, the, the points dates in. So how many points by whatever date? Um, and within about within about an hour and a half, there was fifty people in the group. Uh, and and now now the group's up towards two hundred people now. And it's been up there a week, and and it seems to have just kind of lit a little bit of um, a little bit of fire under people who maybe didn't really think they could do it, or maybe didn't think that they were, could commit to something, or assumed that it had to be done instantly, or or whatever it is, people just getting into Kings of War 3rd edition and playing for the first time, there's just a bit of a buzz around it. And, and lots of people have signed up for it now and are, are kind of all coming along on this journey of just trying to get that 2,000 points of painted units by, by a set time. And, and the idea was, it was just to, to bounce ideas around, to encourage people, to, to try and get as many people involved as they could and, and really sort of show that. You can do it. That the two thousand points of all of these models is not a barrier. And and I've I've learned a lot through my own journey. And I wanted to try and share that with others and encourage them that it's not uh, it's not as difficult as you might think it'll be.
3: Yeah, I've just checked you. So you've got one hundred and sixty nine people signed up already. Have you been surprised by how by the response and how quickly it's grown?
1: I I have been actually because I my my assumption has always been that Kings of War. Is it, it's an awesome community and and it's something I've always kind of commented on. Like all the time I've hung around in the background, you realize how just how cool that community is. But I, I've always thought it's been pretty established and that I wouldn't expect sort of so many new people or people wanting to kind of to join in with it. Those people that have painted two or three armies already know what it's like and, and don't really need that kind of encouragement. So I didn't really expect it to grow quite as fast. But what I'm really encouraged by is the amount of people that are coming into it saying, I've had models kicking around for ages. I, I've never played the game. I, I've always just put them on the shelf and they've been lying around in grey plastic and I've never touched them. I'm going to use this to kind of to kick that off or you get a lot of people, well, I've just bought the, the new starter set. I'm going to use this to, to grow from that starter set into a full army. And there's lots of comments. It, it feels like for all, there are some more experienced players that are coming in there as well, which is great to see because I, I, that's the experience that we need in there as well. It's also good to see other people that are just... I'm going to give this a go. It sounds like fun. I think I can manage that kind of what you're, what you're trying to set out as a deadline, if you like. I think I can manage that. So, yeah, let's give it a go. Oh,
2: well, that's fantastic, Annie. Now, I have not signed up yet. I, uh, I have my Facebook right here. I just <laughs> found the Facebook group. I listened to the video. See, I've been waiting for this podcast to uh, figure all this out here. <laughs> so I'm going to hit join group. So you're going to 170 members, my friend. So I've, I've, I've just seen it, so I'll accept you now. <laughs> so um, what are the milestones? I, I I heard in the video that I don't think there's a milestone at the end of December. I think it's January. But uh, could you walk us through the milestones?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, so what we decided was is just to do 250 points a month um, and then do it over eight months, period, because I felt if I do any smaller points, the the, the timeline will be so long. So if I said 100 points a month, for example, the timeline's going to go too long, and people will will get bored of that. If I go any bigger than 250, it might put a few people off. So the idea was if I kick it off now, but I give people until the end of January for the first deadline, that gives people no matter how new you are to the game or if you're an experienced player, you've got time to decide what what, what army am I going to choose to maybe pick up some new models maybe do a test model, all these different kind of things, read the rules, pick an army list. So you basically had roughly two months to kind of get that first 250 points done and get a bit of a head start. And the idea is the last Friday of every month through um, January, February, March and April, that will take us up to a thousand points. Um, And then Mantic have been really kind and and, uh, they contacted me and said, how about, would you like to do a, a bit of an open day at, at Mantic head, uh, headquarters at the HQ in Nottingham? Um, we'll, we'll have a bit of a kind of a celebration thing. So um, on Saturday, April the 25th, next year, there's going to be a um, like a celebration day. So anybody that's taken part in the Slow Grow campaign are welcome to come to Mantic. We'll have some thousand-point games. If you've never played yet, it's a, a perfect opportunity to come along and, and give the game a try with your new painted models. If you just want a little bit of more motivation, it's it's The reason I did it for the midpoint rather than the end was the end might seem like a long way off. So if I do it after four months, there's something to look forward to. There's something to aim for. And once you've got those first thousand points done, then you can kind of crack on and do the next thousand points up towards the end of August. So, yeah. So basically the last Friday of every month, uh, all the way up to August, 250 points a month. And if you want to do more, feel free uh, to do a lot more than that. If you miss a deadline... I'm not. I'm not here to kind of punish people. It's not about sort of giving people a hard time. It's to try and encourage each other. So if you're away on holiday and you can't do it one month, just try and catch up a little bit or do a bit more the month before or something like that. It's quite loose and it's quite informal, and it's just to try and kind of bring everybody together to encourage each other and sort of pull as many people through that whole that whole journey as we can.
3: It's worth saying, isn't it, that um, you know, Mantic is supporting this, and that's fantastic. But you're not mandating people have to use Mantic models; they can use what they've got, right? Yeah, of course.
1: So it's not it's not an official Mantic slow grow campaign or anything like that. It's something I've done off my own back. Um, Mantic have been very kind in it and have kind of sort of reached out and, and and given me a couple of things just to kind of help it along in in terms of um, sort of the the open day and things. And, and they did a little competition on on the slow grow campaign uh, group. Um, however, it's not it's not a, an official Mantic thing. So you can use whatever models you want if you've got some old gw armies you want to repurpose or you or you want to use models from a from another third party miniatures company use whatever you want it, it's just to encourage people to get an army together and to play the game
3: cool and you've gone for dwarves so Back back in Vanguard you were talking about doing an ogre army. So why they switched to dwarves? Why, why and why dwarves? Just why dwarves? Who chased yeah. dwarves? <laughs> so two
1: two reasons, I guess. Is I, I've got some ogre models when I bought some when I was gonna build my army last time, and I already had some dwarf models as well. So I had some from back when I like I said before, when I bought them back in sort of twenty ten or something, they'd always been lying around in boxes and stuff untouched. Um somebody, um one of the members of my Facebook group sent me, a, um, when I talked about it a little while ago about giving Kings of War a try, he sent me a, a two-player starter set that he had from years ago, which was Undead and Dwarfs. So I got a few more Dwarfs as well. So I thought, if I'm going to dive in, I, I should start with what I already have, rather than going out and buying stuff. So I'll either do Dwarfs or I'll do the Ogres. And I did a little test paint of one of my Ogre models, and I found it, it was quite fiddly to paint when I was trying to do it quickly. And, I, and I'd already pre-built them. Getting behind the shields and stuff was a little bit um, a bit more tricky for what I was trying to do, and because there's the ogres are a bit more of a of, a, of an elite force, if you like, it wasn't as easy to hide sort of bad paint jobs, if you like, be- behind other models. So then I decided to give one of the dwarfs a bit of a test paint and see what I thought of that one. And I came up with a, a paint scheme that I quite liked and it was nice and quick. So I thought I'll I'll just I'll crack on with the dwarf. So I, at this point, I didn't have the rule book. I didn't have a clue what the points costs were. I didn't have a clue how they play. I don't know anything about any tactics for them. I knew they were slow. That was all I knew. But I just kind—I of, decided just to to paint what I had and and buy the models that I like the look of and and basically go from there. Really. So I, I might come to regret it down the line, but but I'm really enjoying painting them. And uh, and, and and that's kind of—I've painted sort of three units I think at the minute now. So I've got a um, what have I got? I've got I've got two regiments of uh, of ironclads. I've got a regiment, uh, sorry, a troop of the uh, the rifle guys, uh, and I just last night finished painting up um, a steel behemoth as well. It's a bit of a treat, a bit of a change of pace. of just keep buying, um, keep painting the smaller units, so it's all coming together now. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm well ahead of my 250 points by January anyway.
2: Very cool. So are the organ guns still primed and waiting paint? They are.
1: So it's, I'm, I'm sitting here in my kind of my hobby hobby room at the minute. I've got um, I've got t- two troops of shield breakers um, primed, ready to go. I've got a a unit of iron, is it iron god, I think it is. They're ready to go. And I've got two uh, organ guns as well. And I also bought one of those, not the steel behemoth, the other one. What's it called? The, The small guy, the guy on his own.
2: I know who, I know who you're talking about but I've never used them and I don't have the models so. steel 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 juggernaut yeah steel, juggernaut. steel juggernaut. I've,
1: I've just reached across to the to the vanguard card that came with it yeah steel juggernaut so yeah so I've, I've, I've bought those just because I bought the they look cool models so I bought those just to paint up so yeah I'm just I'm uh, I'm cracking on with them but the, the multi-basin, I'm addicted to multi-basin now who who'd have known that would be the thing that would hoop me more than the uh, than anything i just I just love putting together those kind of little diorama bases now,
2: well, Andy, you're in great company. The muscle midgets were my first kings of war <laughs> army as well, so you're in good company, my friend so and you're talking about multi-basing why don't we go ahead and dig further into this hobby aspect so now you're picking up your bases from Charlie Foxtrot if I recall correctly so
1: that's right yeah somebody recommended them to me a while ago when I was picking up some bases um the service was fantastic his website's pretty good to kind of to to find exactly what you need the service is always really good it always comes with a little note saying thank you for purchasing and um, which is a nice little touch as well uh, and they always come within a couple of days so I've just continued to buy from them really I, the, the hard bit was really knowing what what I, I wanted to sort of buy enough that I didn't have to keep going back and paying postage three and four times, but without really knowing what list I was going to have. So I went with the, as many of the standard size bases as I, as I could get my hands on, really.
2: Here in the States, I'm going with Ironheart Artisans. And I also did that. I created an inventory of bases downstairs because I have so many models to paint. So I did the same thing. I made put in a big order with a variety of bases. And as I use them, I just uh, count them down and then I'll just place a reorder. So I'll just have a stock of bottles. So uh, multi-base is just awesome.
1: Yeah, it's nice having them there isn't it because it's what I, what I found was when I started like sort of to do my first army I didn't have any bases and it got to the point where I'd I'd kind of painted them and it was like ah, I need some bases now it's like um I di- I didn't know what size sort of base they came on like I say my rule book hadn't arrived yet um but now now I've got some it's it's great to be able to just sort of to almost finish that little individual project right the way through start to finish rather than having stuff waiting for things to arrive so yeah it's nice to have a little stock of bases.
2: Now are you priming those before you slap the paint and the glue and everything else on them, or are you just going straight MDF? So what I've done is I've
1: um I've got the MDF base. I've been sort of gluing with super glue bits of bits of terrain and stuff. So I I've used an old um, GW, the garden of More kit to for bits of walls and fences and gates and things. I've been gluing those down with super glue. I've then been using a bit of PVA and a bit of sand onto the base. Um and then I've basically primed the whole thing there and painted the painted the scenic base separately if you like uh and then I, what i've been doing is i've been just gluing the models with super glue straight on top of those scraping away any little areas and stuff because I've, I've been putting snow onto my bases so i've been kind of flocking it with snow and but then while it, while that's still relatively kind of wet and malleable a bit, been clearing out little places for the for the feet of the of the dwarfs to go and gluing them straight the way through. So they seem to be holding pretty good. I had, the rifle unit, I, I used some cork to make like rock bases as well, and I did pin those through just because it was cork. It was just a bit easier to to put some pins through as well to hold them. So a bit of a bit of a mix really.
2: Well, I only wanted to bring that up because that's important. If you're just getting into Kings of War and you're just getting into multi-basing, there's different ways to attach your models. And as you yeah. mentioned, if you, you just super glue them to Cork, they're not going to be there very long.
1: No, that's it. Yeah, I, I've learned that the hard way through you <laughs> doing it for other games as well. Like, like I said before about, about kind of finding a few tricks and tips and stuff and, and being able to paint Paint a unit, not painting an individual miniature. Um, I've, I've learned a lot. And because I'm, I'm new to this game, I, like, I, f- I feel like I can kind of, I, I've got a bit of a platform to share it with other people who might not sort of get access to find out this kind of stuff. Or, or these might be the, the reasons that put them off playing the game in the first place. So that's kind of a, the slow grow is not, it's, it's to motivate people, but it's to help them out as well and give them a little bit of tips. And I, I've asked people to try and keep any kind of tactics talk sort of out of the group and maybe keep that to the to the fanatics group and stuff i don't, I don't really want to take away from what that what those guys do it's a fantastic group but this is more aimed around just kind of helping people along giving them a nice friendly nudge and uh, almost a, a little bit of a deadline just to put a little a bit of friendly pressure on really to to make people do stuff
2: absolutely uh i hope you've heard of our after dark program that we have um in the in the beginning of Counter-Charge, we actually had the Counter-Charge Kings of War Army and the Weekend Spectacular, where we had everybody paint a thousand-point army over the weekend. And uh, we had great fellowship with that and Google Hangouts and put it all together. So that's what really attracts me to this. Yeah. And because most of the After Darkers now, we've been together for a long time and everybody's up their skills so much that nobody wants to paint an army in a weekend anymore. So this is terrific because you were showing in your uh, video from this past Monday, you know how you're just painting basically the miniatures. And I always struggle with that, Andy, you know, I, I'm always around all these high class painters, you know, our Jeremy Duvall and Ryan Smith and everything. And I'm like, I've got that crippling individual model syndrome. And I, I'm always hammering on myself that my stuff isn't that good. And I shouldn't take pictures of it. and, you know, stuff like that. So I really appreciated that you showed that up on the video and just the basic paint job with the agrax over it and painting an army. So I really appreciated that. And uh, Terry Letiro always told me when I took one of her painting classes, you know, my favorite color is done. (laughs) So I love that. So I always try to keep that in mind. But so the slow grow is really going to help me. So anybody who's after dark and you're thinking about getting into after dark, and you want to do the basic stuff and do slow grow, I certainly encourage you to join Andy's group and, uh, you know, do the slow grow challenge. So I think it's going to be really exciting. And uh, hopefully, Andy, I see all these battle ready uh, videos on some other um, YouTube channels, and I was hoping that uh, you would do some, of your own and i know you kind of mentioned a little bit so i'm here to push you over the edge you know we could we could use some battle ready videos for kings of war and on a basic level as opposed to all this advanced painting stuff just encourage people to say this isn't that hard it's not that bad and you can get into the game quickly
1: yeah there's there's a couple there's a couple of people have asked me about um how to do multi-basing would i do a video about that um, and 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 as you said as well uh, about getting a relatively sort of a simple. It, it's about looking looking good when it's finished and not trying to agonize over every individual little detail. I think especially for your first army. Once you've got an army to play the game, you might want to take a bit more time and a bit more time and attention and and maybe improve your paint job or something for a second army. But getting that first army on the table is about getting it done as quickly as you can, really, and um, just being able to play games and roll some dice because that's that's what we all want to do, really. So yeah, I think I'll I'll be doing some videos around um sort of sort of beginner tips really. That that's my level really. I I mean I'm never going to be a pro painter, but I've learned enough to know a few shortcuts, a few tips and tricks to to get an effective looking model on the table. Uh, and also it's it also took me a long time as well in my, in my own kind of personal journey to know that I prefer that the 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 feeling you get when when you complete a small project, as opposed to the feeling you get when you complete one model but never get that army to the table. Uh, so it took me a long time to kind of get that square in my own head, really. So it's uh, it's interesting that you say the same thing about what Terry was saying.
2: Yeah. So uh, well, I hope this group survives the first army because I would like to see it keep going. Because as I mentioned before, After Dark's gotten very advanced, and I've mm. proposed maybe do a unit in a weekend and. Uh, people aren't even into that because they're putting so much time into their models. Because, you know, we have soft scores over here in the States, so everybody's looking to up their uh, tournament points. So, yeah, it's a big
1: deal. Well, I mean, the idea with me, we've now got 170 people in that group. If, if we end up with 100 armies at the end of this slow grow campaign that would never have seen the table previously, then, then how, how great is that for the game?
2: Absolutely. And the one thing you did mention, I think, too, that I wanted to bring up here on the podcast was you kind of have that midway point over at Mantic. And you also mentioned that, I mean, even though you're finishing in August, clash of kings is going to be in october so that'd be a great way to really celebrate and uh, bring that new army out for a test spin and you know meet all the tournament regulars and have a good time with all the people with mantic and it's a great way to dip your toe into mantic hq and then jump in the pond uh over there at clash of kings
3: you went to clash of kings before right Andy? you went with uh with the vanguard launch is that right
1: I did, yeah. So when I was getting involved doing the Vanguard videos, Martin from Manic had said, "Look, the, the whole gang's going up to to uh, Manchester for the Clash of Kings weekend. Just just come along and just hang out and stuff. You know, get yourself a hotel. You know, we can grab some food together and we would get a chance to hang out and have a bit of a chat and meet some of the some of the team and stuff." So that was what I did. So I, and I. I would have liked to have had a demo that day, but obviously everybody's playing a tournament, so that didn't happen. But it it was just really good to to see those armies on the table. It was great to see everybody having so much fun. I got to hang out with a few people I only chatted to online, so people like Nick Williams and people like Paul Welch that I I chatted to online a lot um, and were really encouraging about uh, the YouTube channel and stuff. It was good just to kind of hang out with those as well.
3: So, yeah, maybe next time I might actually play in it. I think it's worth doing. The, th- the great thing about Clash of Kings is that you know there's a huge range of ability there. There's people from you know the, the top players um, who are really pushing to get that top spot, right, other people that are just there literally to have fun. I definitely recommend coming. And there's so many people there that you know you're guaranteed to have a good chat and have a good laugh. And you know after the after the tournament finished on the first day, everyone just sat down and played board games together or card games for the whole evening with some beers and it was just a really great time one of the best tournaments i have ever been to definitely
1: it was quite interesting because it, it was that weekend that I, I met a couple of guys from another YouTube channel jay, jay and Steve from our top table game and 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 through chatting to them that weekend uh was about actually that 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 Saturday evening when we all just sat around and played board games and had a beer and had a laugh it was almost as we had this idea of that. Like, this, this is this is the best part about coming to tournaments. Really, is when you actually get a bit of downtime and you get to hang out. And, and it was that chat that then developed into us running our our weekender, which is like a three day gaming event that we do. Um, and it was all based from that Clash of Kings event because it was so much fun. So yeah, Clash of Kings has got a kind of a special place, I guess. It, it set off a, a few different things in my uh, in my gaming side of things.
3: So do you think we'll see uh, Kings of War at your next weekender? Do
1: you know, who knows? I, I, when we did the first one, it, it unfortunately clashed with the, the Franticon, their, their weekend that they had as well. So I, what I'd said was to make sure that we weren't kind of stealing people from their event. We wouldn't run any events that they were running. So because they did like, a lot of Dread Zone and Dead Ball and, uh, uh, and, yeah, they had the Kings of War tournament as well, uh, we, we ran a Vanguard event and a and Dead event instead. So we intentionally didn't do it the first time, to, so we didn't clash with them. But who knows? Who knows for the next one?
3: And have you got any more tournament plans? Or are you going to see you as a tournament regular? You know, there's some um, some really. You say you work in Manchester. There's some um, massive Kings of War gamers in the kind of Leeds, Manchester, and Leeds is kind of halfway, but it's on your wake on in a way. Yeah. Um. So you know, the Northern Kings are, are based up in that region, and Daniel uh, uh, Dan King lives in Macclesfield, so not too far. Really, these are some guys you can really learn some some great stuff from
1: that's it uh, like I said we, we've got a local scene that's starting to kind of grow up a little bit as well so we've, we, at least I've got access to a few gamers locally as well but I'm, I'm quite happy to travel and, and, and play more games and, and I and I think once I get this army together and I get a few more games under my belt I think I could, I could see me travelling around just to play more games and, and kind of hang out and, and, and because of, like I said before the community seemed like a really awesome place uh, and I say that because I, I've experienced other communities that are not quite as awesome so it's that's quite a big deal in itself really yeah I think I think I quite happily come around a few more of these events.
3: Yeah, it's one of the things that I mean I I travel with my work a lot as well um uh, all over the country and what I've started to do is to find out who's in the areas I'm going to and then we hook up for a game. And it's really I've done it down in London, I've done it down in in Surrey, in in Cambridge, I I've been up to see Dan in in Macclesfield just because I was going that way anyway and rather than sit on my own like a loser in a hotel eating dinner I could actually go and uh, you know chuck an army in the boot and have a, and have a game with a mate and it's 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 been a great way to learn about the game as well because the Rob's got this great phase. that, uh, that uh, is it steel verse, steel sharpens steel or iron sharpens something like that it doesn't make any sense but the point of it is the better players you play the better you get
1: yeah definitely that's why you see certain sort of gaming clubs end up with a really kind of high caliber of players because they're all learning from each other they're all pushing each other to get better. So Andy, how do we get you to Adepticon? I <laughs> uh, I guess there's probably two ways. What, what one is I better get better in there and win Clash of Kings next year. Um the other the other one is uh I, I I'd love to come. I've always wanted to come to Adepticon. It's it's not something I think that a lot of people from the UK tend to do, even though they all kind of have this sort of idea they'd like to, but it's a bit of a minefield for me. I don't even know where to start because it's because I don't really know much about the kind of the the, the being able to sort of get tickets and get hotels and stuff, everything seems to move for so fast that before I even get a chance to kind of get my head around it, it's already gone and it's, the, oh, the hotels are gone and all that kind of stuff. I need to plan in advance, I think. I need to sort of set myself a, a year in advance and, and, and sort of learn from yourself and, and find out what I need to do.
2: Well, Steve's coming over for the first time this year, so maybe he can hop in a suitcase. Or maybe we can have Ronnie uh, put you on the party plane that's coming <laughs> on over to the U.S.
3: So. That would be a pretty big suitcase, I think. Uh- <laughs> yeah, you might have to leave the army at home if I'm in
1: the
2: case, if that's, if that's what happens. There you go. You'll definitely exceed that 50-pound limit. So, <laughs> Thanks, Mark.
3: Yeah, it's quite insulting.
2: <laughs> very good well hey we'd love to see you over there so steve is going to get it all down pat this year we're going to take him under our wing and get him all uh adepticoned up and he can come back and spread the word and then uh you know steel sharpen steel so he'll get you ready to you know take that top spot so you can get the flight next year so
3: yeah let, let me advise you be really lucky that's the best way to do it don't you don't have to be any good at the game just be lucky. That's how it works. Uh, and always blame your dice. That's my tip. I'm chip. just going to say, do I, do I need to
1: borrow your dice? Is that,
3: is that the way they go? Oh, don't you start. Don't you start. <laughs> oh, the, the amount of grief I've had over my dice. All my dice are like random from so many different places. And I was in a... I think I've told this story before, but I was in a, a doubles tournament. And between me and my partner, we rolled five double sixes for Nerve in a row. Literally in a row. And just like, pick up a unit, pick up a unit, pick up a unit. And we were playing... Um, Some of the guys from a different podcast who were claiming outraged that I was cheating and we were definitely cheating, we swapped dice oh look another double six it was outrageous so i've now got this reputation as having bent dice and i don't know what to do about it you've just got lucky dice isn't it that's what it is that's what it is it's just my lucky dice (laughs) so this is really cool i I really hope lots of uh, lots of people um carry through with the pledges and even even if they don't the um kind of the community of people that are kind of striving together to get to that goal i think is is really positive and i'm I'm excited to be part of it so um how can listeners uh follow the adventures of andy Burdis and blackjack legacy where do we find you on the internet andy
1: uh, well, like everybody, I guess I'm kind of scattered around all over the place now. So yeah, YouTube channel is probably the best place. So yeah, just search for Blackjack Legacy. You'll find it on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm Blackjack Legacy on both of those as well. And then obviously there's, there's the Facebook group as well, either the Slow Grow campaign or the um, the the Blackjack Legacy community group as well, which is a bit of an extension of the um, of the of the YouTube channel, really, somewhere to kind of hang out and catch up.
2: Awesome, Andy. I wanted to mention before we wrap up. Those uh, challenge t-shirts are really cool. So was that just for the SLOGO? Is that for your regular painting group? Or what was the inspiration behind those? Because I'm uh, getting ready to click purchase, so. Yeah, it was. It was.
1: I've got. I've got like a Teespring store where I do a little bit of sort of merchandise just to kind of help support the channel and stuff. And well, we did a painting challenge in the Facebook group a couple of years ago, which was we did one every month, and, and we're running another one actually in, in the Facebook group, so not not linked to Kings of War still, but separately. Where basically it was just a bit of a fun challenge to push you to kind of do something a bit different with your painting. So we had a, a challenge that was paint a model with a winter themed base. We've had a, ch- a challenge this month basically is um sort of around colours, so sort of, so use some. colours. Colors that you wouldn't normally use and it's not about how good your miniatures are it's just about challenging you to do something a little bit different and somebody decided um wouldn't it be cool if we had if we had a painting t-shirt like a challenge t-shirt so i did a t-shirt back two years ago uh and then somebody the other day said um are we going to have a new painting challenge t-shirt now so yeah so that's where i come from really it's just um it was something people had asked for. It's a nice little kind of uh, thing as, as, a, as a bit of a reminder, a little memento of, of taking part in the challenge. Uh, and, it, and it helps to support the growth of the channel as well. It, it kind of it kicks me a couple of dollars if you buy a T-shirt. So it just helps to buy new cameras and cables and memory cards and all the
2: things
3: I kind of soon mount up.
2: Oh, well, you hit my soft spot. I love T-shirts, <laughs> particularly commemorating events. So uh, very, very cool. I'm glad you did that
3: awesome so we'd like to say thanks Andy for coming on the show and really good luck with the challenge and we'll be continually tuning into your actually do you know what? I don't tune into your live streams because I always forget but what I do because I drive a lot I tend to have I've run out of podcasts because some people have stopped doing podcasts quite as frequently although I've been listening to Kyle's talking tactics videos which are podcasts which are really great in learning kind of the basics of tactics and armies and stuff so big recommendation to him but I realized what I could do is I can put YouTube on on my phone and just plug it into the car. So I don't have to look at your face, but I can hear what you're chatting about, um, which is really cool and that keeps me company on the long journey. So thank you for that.
2: I am also guilty as charged on that, Andy. (laughs) So you get the good bits without the bad bits. You don't have to look at me.
3: I don't have to look at your face.
1: (laughs) A good face for radio, eh? Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So Andy, why don't you take us out?
0: Thanks very much for listening.
3: Until next time,
0: keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on CounterCharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge fifteen. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep counter-charging. Music is a composition of Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.